Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. What a wonderful team. A church that knows how to worship is in a very good situation. And um, this is an incredible church that knows how to worship. You guys have got it going on. Do you know that? Do you know you can worship? Uh, thank you, Pastor Carolina and Pastor Sam, for having me here tonight. Um, you have incredible leaders. You know, it's when people are under pressure, you see who people really are. And we can say that under time of pressure that we see who you are. You are incredible leaders in our, not just our nation, but for this community, you are just changing lives. I want to thank you. Thank you. Thank you. As a young gun, um, I am young, um, believe me. As a young gun, it's awesome to know that there are people that have gone before us to show us the way that we stand on the shoulders of giants in you. I want to thank our pastors, Mark and Lee, as well, for being those giants that we stand on the shoulders of them so that we can have greater reach. Uh, I want to let you know that it's my privilege to be here tonight, uh, as it is my wife and I 12-year wedding anniversary today. I've got a photo. Um, wow. Wow. Don't I look good? Uh, no, it's Anna that steals the show there, that's for sure. And in that kind of spirit of, uh, of uh, Anna anniversary and recognizing my wife, Anna, uh, I've got a message. It's kind of inspired by her. Uh, one of the wonderful attributes that she gets, not just from her, uh, uh, her earthly father, but also, also our heavenly father. Um, I want to look at one of those attributes. So let's open our Bibles in uh, Matthew 5, 9 in the New King James Version. Matthew 5, 9, it says this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We're looking into a new theme for uh, this and next month called rule and reign, and part of that is looking at kingdom culture, and part of kingdom culture is looking at peacemakers. I'm going to say it again, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Tonight, I'm talking to you about how to be a peacemaker. How to be a peacemaker. Uh, as, I, as Cam said, I'm from City Point Pine Rivers there. And uh, last year during lockdown and COVID, we started uh, something on a whim. We had never been location passes before and we'd never been location passes during a, a, a pandemic. We were locked down and we were like, we need to do something for uh, our new church that we barely know. You know, they say that the first 90 days uh, of uh, new leadership is the most important, uh, important time. And most of that, we were in lockdown. Uh, but who knows that we serve a good God. And it's actually not about what Anna and I can do. It's that we would just serve and be obedient to God. And so we had an opportunity, let's do something. And so we started this thing called May is for Marriage. And we just wanted to invest into marriages. And it continued this year, even though we weren't in lockdown, we're like, let's make May about marriages. And part of this marriage course was about uh, coming together and learning more about yourselves. And so Anna and I took part in that. And one of the things we learned was that generally speaking, is that when it comes to conflict, we fall into one of two categories. We are either like a hedgehog, as you'll see behind me, a conflict hedgehog, or we are like a conflict rhino. 
two very different, different types of conflict. And so Anna and I discovered that one of us is a cute little animal and that Anna is a rhino. <laughs> now I know what you're thinking. It's my 12th anniversary. I might not live to see a 13th. But I promise you it's good, actually, that, that Anna is a rhino, not just because it's the biggest, most strongest pl- uh, animal on the planet, it's because the, the nature of a conflict rhino is to be direct. Now, normally a conflict rhino, if it is about vengeance, vendettas, about being aggressive and vindictive, that's really dangerous. But because Anna's desire is to be a peacemaker, she actually is quite efficient at making peace. She hates unrest, she desires reconciliation, and she will fight to keep us together. Being a peacemaker. You can be a rhino and be a peacemaker at the same time, and I'm sure you hedgehogs out there can also be peacemakers. (laughs) Any hedgehogs in the house? If you're a real hedgehog, you wouldn't put your hand up. (laughs) So what does peace actually mean? And so I did a pastor thing and looked at the Greek word for peace, And I actually Googled, because once you see this thing, I was like, what is that? So I Googled how to say it, and it did that, irane. Has anyone Googled how to say something on YouTube? And it sounds so weird. Irane, irane. And what irane means is to join or bind together that which has been separated. To join or bind together that which has been separated. Can I speak to the Christians in the room for a little bit? If you are new to church, if you do not even know uh, if you've decided to follow Jesus or not yet, this is your chance to judge Christians for a little bit, okay? Um, So Christians, hold on to your butts for a second, okay? We have to be better at being peacemakers in churches. Church, we have to be the best at being peacemakers inside of our churches But unfortunately, uh, I've seen growing up in church pretty much my entire life that that isn't necessarily the case. Maybe sometimes instead of being peaceful and, and joining and binding things together, sometimes we just like to avoid the issue. Or maybe we don't even avoid it, we just avoid it with a person and we speak about them maybe with somebody else. We're trying to make peace, but really, we're not really trying to make peace. Church, we have to be better at being peacemakers. And so I want to help you do that. I'm not just here to hammer you. I'm here to say, I'm with you. There's something I need to work on too, to be a peacemaker. We have to do things different than we're we're doing right now. And so I'm going to read to you from the book of Ephesians. Now, Ephesians is awesome because it goes from taking your faith theology and the way you think about faith to making faith practical. So this is actually really important you read this. I'm reading this from the Amplified Classic Edition. It sounds like a really good drink, the Classic Edition. I love the Amplified. And so let's read this. In Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 3, it says, I, therefore, the prisoner for the Lord, appeal to and beg you to walk, that is to lead a life worthy of the divine calling to which you have been called. That's that's us. To you, to me, that is us. We are called to live that divine life with behavior that is a credit to the summons to God's service, living as becomes 
you with complete lowliness of mind, that is humility and meekness, unselfishness, gentleness and mildness with patience, bearing with one another and making allowances because you love one another. We love to make allowances for our friends and the people we're close to, but that person that wronged you that one time, they don't get an allowance, do they? You wronged me once, you've got no more credit in the bank for an allowance. I'm going to be rough on you. Everyone else can have a free pass, but no more grace left for you. No, no, that's not what it's called. It says, uh, bearing with one another and making allowances because you love one another. Be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness of and produced by the Spirit in the binding power of peace. If you have current division with a brother or sister in the church and you have no plans to restore that relationship or to bind yourselves back together, then you are knowingly separating what God wants to bring together. If you're like, no, 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 like, I, I can't do it, I can't, I can't be near them, I can't be in conversation with them, I can't serve with them, no, no, I can't be in the same team with them, then you are separating what God desires to unify. You don't want to be on the other side of what God desires. God desires us to be whole, to be one. He doesn't want our bride to separate. We have to come together. God desires his church to be unified. If you are prepared to stand before God and say, no, my way was better, then you've got some real courage. (laughs) Real courage. Now, immediately, some of you are feeling awkward because you're like, Jethro, you don't know what they did. You don't know what they did. You don't know how they hurt me. You don't understand. Now, some of you think, oh, no, no, no. I get it. They they did their thing. As long as they stay out of my way, they're going to be okay. (laughs) Do I need more hip there? (laughs) They better watch it. (laughs) They better watch it. That's our attitude sometimes. They're like, hey, I've forgiven them. Just make sure you stay away from me. Hey, I've forgiven you, but I will never forget. That is sometimes our attitude, but that is not the attitude that God has called us to have. He has called us to desire that we would be unified, joined and bound back together. We have to forgive them. There's no judgment from me, but it's very clear that if we are to accept forgiveness from our God, then God calls us to forgive others. It's very clear. And do you know what forgiveness actually looks like within this kind of context? No, this is, the, this, this, this is it. If, if you were going to just pay attention one bit, if you've already zoned out, you're like already thinking about pizza, can you just listen to this one thing? Forgiveness looks like no lack of of love no lack of love for your brothers and your sisters in Christ no lack of love means you want them to succeed that person that you're struggling with there's there's conflict that there's there's no peace there's disharmony that you want them to succeed you want them to be cashed up you want them to be healthy. You want their family to flourish. You want them to get a promotion. You want them to have a great ministry. You want them to succeed and you want to give them the best Christmas card that they've ever seen. No lack of love. 
That's what it really means. That's what God is calling us to. That's how the cake stays together. Otherwise, it's a sloppy cake that falls apart, that isn't bound together. The ingredient is true forgiveness and no lack of love. Making peace will likely look like you having a word with someone, maybe being a little bit vulnerable. Maybe you actually need to say, hey, we don't have to go into the details, but I've had some stuff in my heart to deal with and it did involve you, but I want to let you know that I've dealt with it and I love you. And if you need anything, please contact me and I will be there for you. That's what it's going to require. All the rhinos and the hedgehogs are like, can I actually do that? I believe in you. (laughs) I believe in you. Let's keep going. Uh, uh, Making peace requires us to be vulnerable with others. Now, maybe this next part is we know it, we hear it all the time, but do we actually live it? It's loving our enemies. Okay, maybe I've given you a bit of a bash over the head about loving the church, but now it's time to look at the scripture in Matthew in chapter 5. It says this in the NLT, one of my favorite translations as well. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how do, are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. If you don't know what a pagan is, it's someone that just has pushed God to the side and either doesn't think he exists or thinks he exists and wants to be evil anyway. Even they are kind to others that are kind to them. But we are called to be kind to everybody. But you are to be perfect even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Can we cut straight to the chase? How do we love and forgive those that have hurt us. How do we do it? God isn't calling you to be a punching bag, to put your family at risk or condone evil behavior. What he has offered us is healing, love, joy, and peace. And for that to thrive in our spirit, inside of us, so that we do not become like the evildoers that have harmed us. I was a residential youth worker for a number of years. Are there anyone that's done resi work before? That's like kids trying to set you on fire. That's like trying to make sure that you're like, it's breakfast time and then the door smashes open and then an Xbox flies across the room. Like resi work is working with kids that have had a really rough trot. Do you know that statistically that if a child has been abused, mistreated, gone through trauma, that it's more likely that someone that has experienced that is likely to do that to somebody else? You have to cut it off at some stage. And that's because the sin and the evil has a chance to corrupt you if it is done to you and you have to actually put it to death by forgiving them, by desiring good things for them. Doesn't mean you condone their behavior. Doesn't mean you say that everything that they did was okay. It's actually saying, yeah, no, no, what you did was not good, but I'm deciding to love you anyway. 
I'm deciding to honour you anyway. There's that, in um, the Old Testament, we have uh, the Ten Commandments, honour thy father and mother. For anyone that's had terrible parents, I'm sure you've probably struggled with this idea. What does honouring your mother and father look like? It doesn't mean doing whatever they say. If they ask you to do something bad, you don't have to do it. Honouring them is living the best life you can under God and that people would look at you and be like, wow, where did you come from? That's honouring your mother and father. It's not accepting abuse. It's not saying that you're a punching bag or anything like that. It's just saying, hey, I'm going to live with integrity. I'm going to make sure that everything that comes out of my life is good fruit and not sour. That is how you honour your mother and father, regardless of what they've done. And the same is for your boss. The same is for anyone that hurts you. You can actually say, hey, you're throwing a lot of shade my way. You're throwing a lot of heat my way. You're throwing a lot of hate my way. But I'm not going to turn sour. I'm still going to offer you something sweet in return. That is being a peacemaker. That in the face of, of danger and challenges and, and corruptness and evilness, it would say, hey, but you actually don't have any power or authority over me. I'm still going to have the sweet presence of the Lord on my life. And you're not going to disrupt it. God calls us to forgive and, yes, love even the worst of humanity so that we can be whole and for a hope that we can influence others to turn from their sin. Remember, they have been separated from God by sin and we are called to join or bind together that which has been separated. You know, there's no exclusions. There's no like, oh, but these people. We are called to love them all. That includes your ex-wives and husbands. That does, unfortunately, include some abusive parents. That includes your teachers that were harsh. That includes the premier of this state. And it also in includes your ex and current pastors. Anything that's been done to you that you're like, that wasn't right. You do not have permission to put them in the box. I don't have to forgive them. You're actually called to be a peacemaker that you'd actually say, regardless of what's happened, I'm going to keep my heart soft. I'm going to be for reconciliation. And it's not saying like, hey, I'm just going to, uh, uh, can you hear my heart here? Can you hear my heart here? There's so many ways to, to wiggle out of this and to be like, well, I just haven't seen them for a while. And that God's just making sure that in your heart that you have truly dealt with the issue and that you'd be able to say to them, hey, look, hey, I love you and I hope there's blessing in your life. I wish you hadn't done that, but I love you anyway. I choose to love you. That is the Jesus that we serve. Both of these things, if we're being honest, can be challenging to love our brothers and sisters within the church and to love our enemies. It's hard to be a peacemaker particularly though when you've got a war that's going on inside of you. If you haven't got peace inside of you, it doesn't matter if someone's cut you off on the road, you're going to boil over. If someone's cut you off, rather than turning up a digit, maybe extend your hand and pray for blessing over their life. Someone's cut you off on the road, I pray that they get to, uh, to, get to work on time. I pray they get a promotion. I pray that they meet you, Jesus, not too soon, though. <laughs> Not that quickly. <laughs> Let them meet you for real, Jesus, and accept. That's how we're called to live. That we wouldn't get a bee in our bonnet every time someone cuts in a queue or something's unfair. It's not about being like, oh, God, it's unfair. No, it's saying, God, I love them. That is your child, and I pray that they would meet you. 
And not in a way that's like, yeah, and they're going to meet you and they're going to get justice. They're going to get justice real good. (laughs) Justice is the Lord's and I pray for it. That's not it. We pray that God have mercy on them. That is what being a peacemaker is all about. Do you have peace inside of you? If you've been betrayed, if you've been hurt, if you've been falsely accused, if you've been forgotten, you can still have peace. I'm going to talk about my boy in the Old Testament, Joseph. Who knows Joseph? I don't expect all of you to know. But Joseph, he had a bit of a rough trot. A real rough trot. If you don't know it, read Genesis starting in chapter 37 all the way through chapter 50. Actually, you guys are doing the chronological Bible. You guys read that straight away. Go back and read it if you need to. If you don't know, no judgment. Joseph, while a young man, was betrayed by his brothers. He was thrown into a pit and they were going to kill him. And then they thought, maybe we'll just sell him to some slave traders and pretend like he died. They told their dad that he had died and they showed him his robe and they put blood on it and be like, he's dead. But really they sold him into slavery. He was then uh, uh, taken under a master and he was a servant there and he became the head servant. But then the, the wife of the master actually accused him of rape. He was then thrown into jail and he was left to rot. While there, he actually was able to uh, minister and support others in the jail that saw them be set free. And these people that would have had influence for him to be set free forgot about him. All of this has happened. All of this time in the trial, in the suffering for so long, yet his heart was soft and he was elevated to a position of power and authority which is actually what God prepares for us you know everything you've gone through every challenge every trial every hardship God is saying actually no you are actually royalty you are priestly your calling is to be someone that lives with authority now if you had true authority Will you extend grace to those that have betrayed you? That's the calling on your life. Your calling of your life is to live like royalty. And even when people have done everything in their path to destroy you, to wipe you out, to discredit you, that you would actually say, I'm going to extend grace and mercy to you. That we would actually want our tormentors to be blessed, to know Jesus. So far, I've made a case that we are supposed to be peacemakers. I've spoken about why we should be peacemakers. So now the question is, how? Just one question. Do you desire to be like Jesus? For He is the Prince of Peace. He binds and joins all things that should be together, together. So do you desire to live like Jesus? Are we still going to sit in our ways and separate things that we think should be separated? God's heart is that none shall perish. That means that ours should as well. If we desire and acknowledge that the heart of God is for us to have peace, that we have to abandon everything else that gets in the way of pursuing the pursuit of peace. 
if you've given your heart to Jesus, I'm fairly sure that you can make that decision, not by someone skull dragging you there, but because somebody loved you. That's probably what your enemies are waiting for, is someone just to love them. The reason they are the way that they are is because they probably haven't been shown what true love is. And they're waiting for someone of power and influence to recognize them as someone that maybe was a young person that was treated the wrong way, was treated harshly, was abused. They might be hurting you and they're just waiting for someone to show them another way. And you can do that by being a peacemaker. You can do that by being a peacemaker. I was shown love by somebody so that I was in a position to give my heart to the Lord. It was someone close to me that I had real conflict with and it was actually my very own sister. My older sister, she's an incredible sister, but we just didn't get along that much. She was five years older than me and we just didn't seem to click. But she started going to youth group and she became a leader and her heart started to change and she started to show me some love and some kindness that allowed me to have confidence to walk into my youth group and then give my heart to the Lord, to soften my heart. Someone that I had conflict with became my peacemaker and made peace with me, made me feel welcome to go and experience the love and power of the Holy Spirit. Do you know there's an enemy that you can probably do that for? We think for ripe fruit. Sometimes we don't realize it's that really ugly looking jackfruit that sticks. It's ripe. Do you ever, you ever smelt ripe fruit? Sometimes it's pungent. And you're like, I don't really want to eat that. God doesn't want you to eat it either. He wants you to bring it to Him. (laughs) We must extend love and grace to all. If we want to see our world influenced for good and for God, then we better start bringing people together rather than declaring war in our hearts. In Philippians 4, verses 6 and 8 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Above our pride, above our pursuit of status, above our hurt, above our wants, are we prepared to put it all aside to be a peacemaker like Jesus was? like Jesus is. He is the Prince of Peace and He's called for you to walk like Him, to be like Him, to forgive like Him. Have we accepted the offer of Jesus? Peace can convey the sense of an inner rest, inner rest, well-being and harmony. But the ultimate peace is the state of reconciliation with God. The ultimate peace is the state of reconciliation with God. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.